I'm going. I'm going. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Die, Destinal Pros TTRPG podcast. As always, I'm dead. So today we got Cave. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> do we even need to start? Like every single one of these, I'm just sitting here spiraling in depression. Thanks, thanks to you and your bullshit. No, he hasn't done anything today. Yeah, I'm just reading the thing other people make. <laughs> it's all your fault. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's Wizard's fault. God damn it, Wizards. You sons of bitches. Okay, but yeah. Uh, so, at time of recording, uh, the folks over at Kobold Press have put out the uh, second Black Flag playtest packet as of, like, three hours ago. Woo, three hours ago. And, you know, the drill by now, a playtest thing came out. I've read it. I'm going to read it to Cave, and he's going to go, oh, boy, that's bad. <laughs> hey, I didn't do that last time. There was some good stuff in there. Yeah, you also did get hung up on the word lineage. I did. I did get hung up on the word lineage for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has weird things they obsess over. Just call them species. <laughs> Just call them species. But then what, well, then what species is a half-elf? They're an elf and a human together. <laughs> it's two species <laughs> it is a subspecies of elf and human well they don't have subspecies here they have species they have lineages and then they have heritages well bang <laughs> but yeah so for those who missed last time or haven't been keeping up with things Cobalt Press are putting out their Project Black Flag which they are currently going to be calling their core fantasy role playing system which is basically Pathfinder 1st Edition for 5e. They're taking the 5e rules, core rules in the SRD, which now is Creative Commons, uh, tweaking it to be a little bit different, and then putting it out as a full new system so that they can keep selling their old books. It's not exactly the most exciting thing, but it is practical and will be good for people who like 5e but don't want to keep supporting wizards yay fuck wizards <laughs> yes they put out their first playtest packet uh, which contained their backgrounds a small selection of talents as well as their as well as three lineage lineages which is their word for species or races and then uh, each of those lineages had two heritages which is their sub race uh, most interesting about probably about that package is the fact that heritages are up to GM discretion, completely interchangeable. You can have an elf with a dwarf heritage. You can have a human with an elf heritage. And those are the three lineages that they put in the first playtest packet. And they also had a bit of stuff about like their backgrounds and uh, how you determine rolling stats and stuff. You know, I one thing I have to say about that, I don't know if I said it last time, but I really like that. Because it always baffled me that humans are the only ones that can interbreed, and it's with a very select few things. I think this was less interbreeding and more like, hey, you're from a human family, but you grew up in a dwarf city. Yeah, but it also works for, hey, you're a half-orc, half-dwarf. Yeah, I guess, fair enough. Which is something that I've wanted to see for an age. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, looking back at that stuff, it was largely 5e. A couple of small tweaks here and there that made things, some things a little bit too powerful, and some things, eh. But ultimately, it was an interesting look at what they are going forward with, and... It was inoffensive. Yeah, it was inoffensive, and in some cases, made me slightly interested. Yeah. There were some things that were like, oh, really? Yeah. For both of us. Yeah. Yes, but now we're moving into Playtest Packet 2, which covers um, a couple more of their new core rule changes, as well as features the first eight levels of the fighter class and the wizard class, as well as each of them having two subclasses. I gotta say that's a good choice, in my opinion, for your first classes to put out. Yeah, why because... widest disparity of, like, you know, la- overlapping talents. It's also, on average, what most people will play. <laughs> your average person will play a wizard and a fighter. At least once in their careers. <laughs> so when you've got a new system, put out something that everybody will understand, everybody will get along with, and, you know, it's a good starting point. Yeah. Baby's first TTRPG character is going to be fighter or wizard. Baby's first TTRPG character in most systems should be fighter. Because <laughs> wizard is complicated in most systems. Bruh, you and I both know that either of us, the second we get a new system, we're both going, okay, what's the most complicated thing? I want to run at it. <laughs> Funny story. So Dead once was like, I want to run Shadow Run for you guys. And I was like, all right, I want to be a rigger. and after we started building it he was like you know you picked the most complicated class in the game I was like yeah (laughs) also fun story I decided to run Starfinder for Cave and a couple people we met on discords and stuff the first question he asked me was how does multi-classing work (laughs) and then proceeded to not multi-class let someone else multi-class realize it was a bad idea (laughs) No, it can be very optimal. It's just dependent on your situation. Fucking optimal. If I if if we didn't pick up somebody who had, who was a hacker, I would have gone hacker. Because that shit would have been tight on my character. Don't you have like plus fourteen computers already? Exactly. You can already <laughs> hack from like thirty feet. I would have been able to hack starships from other starships. It would have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So yeah, let's get into Playtest Packet 2. Starting with luck. This is a thing mentioned in the first Playtest Packet as part of their like uh, build a character checklist mm-hmm. that they did not elaborate on whatsoever. And it's meant to serve as a replacement of the inspiration mechanic in 5e. And so what luck is, luck is a pool of points you can get that you can use on a one-to-one basis to modify an attack or attack roll, ability check, or saving throw. With their example in here, you have four luck points and you roll a 13 on a die. You can spend two to make it make you roll a 15. You have to choose when you, you have to choose uh, spending luck after you make the roll, but before you know whether you succeeded or failed. They can't be used to like offset natural ones or make natural twenties. So for number crunchers like me, this is a very optimized system. 
and you can spend three luck points to just re-roll. I rolled a two. I'm just going to spend three luck points because there's no way a two is going to hit his approximate 17 to 18 armor class. You know his AC. Because we've missed on 16s and hit on 19s. So I've got a range. Yeah, I've been keeping track. I've had I have had DMs get upset at me because they were like, you're looking at the at the monster manual, aren't you? I was like, I could. I don't need to because I probably know this monster stats off by heart. But no, it's just we've missed on this and hit on this. Yeah. And fun fact, for all you DMs out there, if you've got a player who will just open to the monster manual, just change the stats. Just change the numbers. Or feeling that, hard target them. <laughs> Never hard target them. Just fuck them. Just change the numbers, and if they complain, say... I'm the DM. It's my world. I'm going to change things. Why are you looking at the monster manual before you even know anything about the monster? Just because I put up an image? That's That seems silly to me. The more you look at monster stats, the more I change the monsters. Once killed a party with a doppelganger who they all thought was a... Uh, they all thought he was an orc chieftain. <laughs> <laughs> Because I put up a monster token, it was an orc chieftain, and they were like, oh, it's an orc chieftain. Flip, 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 flip. Wait, he can't do that. Did I say he was an orc chieftain, you fuckers? I'm just looking Even for character did, art, my why guys. Why are you trusting me? <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so luck points, they, they use, they, they are like, they serve as a, uh, you know, difference for inspiration, like a replacement for inspiration. And it also, ha also kind of changes up a couple of ways you can gain uh, them. Uh, luck points can be granted, you know, by GM for, like, you know, doing a clever idea, doing a good role play, or just hitting, like, certain milestones and, like, doing, like, hey, you did a good thing. Here's some luck. But I like it when the system provides alternatives to the GM decides when you get this special benefit. And here's one because of Because it always feels like the GM is ignoring your accomplishments. It's very rarely true, but it always feels like, man, this guy always gets inspiration and I never do. It always feels like you're being targeted, but it, it's not true. Just for those of you who are out there who feel like me sometimes, you're not being ignored or targeted by your DM because he's not giving you inspiration. He just didn't realize what you did might be cool to anyone but you. He also may have forgot the inspiration mechanic existed at all. That is the other option. <laughs> Yeah, but the other way, and the, mo and the more important way, and the way that will actually be used the most probably, in combat, once per turn, when you fail an attack roll or save, you get a luck point. Just I like a, that. Just a very fail-forward system, uh, very similar to adversity tokens within the kids on bikes system. Oh no, I done fucked up. Yeah, you fail, you get a thing, and then you can spend it to, on a one-to-one -one basis, increase your roll. Hopefully not fail in the future. Yeah. Uh, however, there is one there is one thing that is, uh, that differentiates it from the, the uh, like, kids on bikes thing, and does add a little bit of, like, kind of randomy element to it that I, I kind of enjoy, and I'm a bit worried about with other people accepting it, so... You can have, at maximum, five luck points at any one time. 
it's a fair balancing metric. If you Though would, it sucks for people who roll trash. If you would gain a sixth point, you immediately roll a d4 and reset your luck to the result. Ooh, I mean, hmm. I I get it. I get what they're going for there. It's an encouragement to spend your luck points. Yes, but hmm. That's going to upset people. Yeah, it is. But like, at a certain I feel point, like that should maybe be an optional rule. I don't think so. Cause it's going to be a thing of just like, like people, like people spending luck is like the amount of times people have forgotten a system exists. Like it True. wasn't like, it wasn't until like the third session of like our pine box middle school game that you guys started using Benny's. That wasn't cause I forgot him. I just didn't need him. <laughs> yeah, you didn't, but. I have monster luck. I'm sure we've covered this before, but like if I had a superpower, it would be I'd be Domino. Except when it comes to cars. Except when it comes to cars. Every superpower has a vulnerability. Mine is cars. <laughs> Just cars. Just cars. And based on everything else you said about your life, it seems like your luck only goes to it seems like you're only domino in the realm of dice pretty good luck outside of dice it's just some situation the story you've luck. told of how you tried to remodel your kitchen that wasn't that no no no. that's that's different that wasn't luck that was spiraling depression and insanity just overwhelming me because i wasn't trying to remodel my kitchen i had to well alrighty then uh other thing that actually i want to do briefly mention uh we're not gonna like i'm not gonna like read through the entire thing but uh, every once in a while in this document, they have a behind the curtain thing, which is just the people who wrote this explaining either something that isn't ex like extremely excess, like extremely like noticeable in the uh, document itself, or just a or just an idea of their design philosophy behind it. Like with the Lux system, th like their behind the curtain thing, as they call it, is just straight up. Hey, actually, try playing with this. We had a bunch of like internal people who were like, yeah, this thing's too clunky and it's like difficult to manage, but then they actually play it and it's like, oh no, this works great. Yeah, no, I could definitely see this working very well. Like without even playing it. I could I I I know some players would be like, oh, there's too much math involved. <laughs> and you try and get them to play Pathfinder. You um, add one more number. It's not hard. Like, yes, there's a lot of it, but you're not unless you're GMing, you're not gonna be reading the entire fucking book. I know the American school system has failed you, but come on, people. You can add one plus one plus three plus seven. That's really simple math. You can do it. I know you can. I believe in you. But yeah. Uh, I gotta believe. But they also said, like, one of their goals with the luck system was the fail forward thing. To particularly make the sting of failing in combat less of a sting. And that is one of the biggest problems in D&D &D is like, oh man, everyone else is dominating and like very obviously dominating. And I am whiffing, which is a problem in most TTRPGs. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. It's also like a problem. It's, it, it can be a problem with like a party composition too, of just like your party leans heavily one way and then you go an entirely different way that just doesn't gel with it. Which that's just, you know, that just happens sometimes. Yeah, it's just bad luck, bad organization. Yeah, But, but it, 
the point, the biggest thing about D&D is work together as a team. Talk about what you need to do to optimize and strategize. And then as you guys level up, you'll be able to figure out optimal ways to make everybody a little bit more effective. Like casting fly on your melee characters so that they can get all the way up to the enemy way faster. Especially with Horseshoes of the Zephyron, because I'm pretty sure they interact. <laughs> anyway. So... Yeah, like like having something to having something to lessen whiffing on combat hard. And that would make it less likely for you to whiff on combat going forward. That's just good all around. I do genuinely like this. Uh the losing luck points thing. I understand the point of it. And I understand like the flavor of it. I'm not a hundred percent behind it, but I can see it being fun. I don't see it being fun. I see it being a great way to remind your party, hey, spend it. <laughs> well, no, it, it also like it, you know, having having the luck thing was like, I got so much luck. Oh, Gary, six luck. Now I have one. Fuck. Oh, I would I would I would be so mad. <laughs> like shit, I forgot to spend my luck. Oh, I whiffed. Oh, there's no way I'm recovering from that whiff. And then, you point. and then you recover in like two turns. Yeah. And then you recover. That would suck too. Cause that means you've missed that many times. Well, it would mean you missed and failed saving throws that many times. You got blown up by like five fireballs. <laughs> that sucks. So Son of a bitch. No, <laughs> stop targeting me. All right. As we move on to classes. So a lot of this is going to sound incredibly familiar. Because these are, in large, the 5e classes. There have been significant changes, obviously, but the bread and butter of it is still the 5e class. So, like a fighter, their hit die is a d10. They get, they get proficiency in light, medium, heavy armor, and shields. They get weapon training in simple and martial weapons. Uh, skills, they get two skills from acrobatics, animal handling, athletics, history, insight, intimidation, perception, and survival. Their saving throws have changed a little bit. They get saves, they get a proficiency in con saves and their choice of strength or dexterity. Because that seems to be I the, like that. that seems to be the biggest change with this. They are leaning more heavily into when you build a fighter, choose what you want to specialize in. I like that. Yeah, I'll just... tell you why I like that. Okay. I like that because it every fighter having the same saves has all like every X having the same saves saves has always annoyed me. I can understand a primary save so that all the class all of the versions of this class feel the same. But I like it when you get a little bit of customization in your options. When you get to choose, hey, I want to be really good at one thing. I want to be able to catch boulders that are thrown at me by giants. All right, specialize in strength saves. Okay, awesome. Like, I I like that. But you don't really get the option to choose that. It's like, yeah, I've got an 18 strength, but I got, I got con. So, can't kill me with poison. <laughs> uh, this seems to be a fighter-specific thing. Oh, that's a shame. Because like wizards, they just get their normal saves. But I like it. Bec I, I like it with this because 
with fighters especially, there is a wide breadth of things you can be as a fighter mm-hmm. that typically leads characters to heavily invest in either strength or dexterity. Like, like people, people going in, people like making fighters would rather have an 18 strength than a 10 dex as opposed to having two 14s. Mm-hmm. And so if you are a person, if you are a person like invested very heavily into dexterity, like, hey, I'm going to be fucking knives, rapiers, bows. We're going to fucking go do this. And then your save is strength. I actually confused a party recently by playing a light armor fighter because <laughs> <laughs> they hadn't had that happen before. And it was like, yeah. I use ranged weapons mostly, but when I get into melee, whoosh, rapier. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So having that for fighter at least does make some sense to me, and I do like their. I do like their like investing more heavily into like dex fighters, because dex fighters is a completely good build. Yeah, it is a valid build. Yeah. It is a very valid build, actually. Like it's one of my favorite builds. Yeah. Starting equipment. Because just it's... just because of the like six or seven attacks you can get off and around once you get to higher levels. Yeah. Uh so starting equipment, it's the starting equipment of a fighter. You know it. Uh <laughs> he's got pants and a sword. Or if you want to forego pants, you can get two swords. I'm gonna forego pants. Okay, this is, we're gonna, we're getting into <laughs> pet peeve theater. Um, buy your goddamn starting equipment. <laughs> Just list it on your goddamn sheet. The DM should not have to come after you later. Be like, hey, what's your equipment? Put your equipment down. Put your languages down. It takes five minutes. Just do it. So what does writing that down have to do with buying it? Because you yelled uh, buy your equipment, then talked about writing it down. It's the whole problem of people not doing any of it at all. And also, buy your equipment because then you know what the fuck you have. Because the number of times I've had players go, wait, I had a thing, and I've done it too. Because I just took the starting equipment. Dad can probably remember one or two instances where I've been like, wait, I have a thing? Yeah, but I, that also comes with writing it down. Like, like choosing the starting equipment doesn't just go, doesn't just say, you get starting equipment and then doesn't list what it is. No, but the the problem I have is if I don't buy it specifically, I don't think about the specific things that are that I have, which is why I'm like, buy it, write it down, put it on the fucking public character sheet so that the DM can see it. I know that people have like 17 billion character mancers that they like to use. And I know that some of the public sheets, roll 20, are absolute trash. Garbage. But it's a public sheet. If you can't fill it out yourself, ask for help. There's going to be at least one person who's willing to help you. Like, God, people. Also, he says public sheets because when we play on like roll 20... I we make the sheets open to everybody. Not everyone does that. Well, when I say public sheets, I mean a sheet that your DM can see. That's oh. ultimately what I mean. I say public sheets because yes, we play on Roll Twenty, and we're friendly groups who rarely play with traitors. So it's like, yeah, everybody gets to see the sheet. But yeah, make sure your DM can see your stuff. Because sometimes I just like checking to make sure the party actually got the loot that I gave them last session. 
sometimes I like to see if the player leveled up their character. Because it's happened more than once that they haven't. Not going to say any names, but they probably won't remember that it was them. At all. Anyway, let's move on to the fighter abilities. Yeah. So starting at level one, you get Last Stand. Which seems to be a replacement for Second Wind. Yeah. Second Wind's pretty sweet. So with this, when you take damage that will reduce your HP to an amount less than half your hit point maximum rounded down, you can use your reaction to expend one or more of your hit dice up to a number equal to your proficiency bonus. Immediately roll any expended hit dice. You regain HP. You regain each HP equal to the total sum of all dice rolled plus your con modifier. You can use that once a long rest. Cool. That's pretty swish. Yeah, and given that in the like fighter progression chart it says last stand bracket one per long rest, means that I mean that gets upgraded. Yeah. Because that is that's that's a pretty just solid ability. Yeah, and it's not OP. Yeah, it's not OP. It still scales. Like, it still scales with your level. It's kind of like the Paladin's Lay on Hands. Kind of, not the same. It's it's like emergency healing when you need it. I think yeah, I th- like I said, it's it's second wind basically, but a little bit different. And I, it's a little better than second wind, isn't it? Uh, second wind is single D ten plus your fighter level. Yeah, and as so a bonus being action. able to spend as many hit die as you need. Up to your proficiency bonus, so a maximum of six. That's still pretty good. Yeah, it's a maximum of six. 60, 10 plus six. So like 42 average at level 20. That's pretty solid. Well, 42 plus con. Oh, wait. I was adding proficiency bonus to the healing. What the fuck am I doing? Math. Even when it's in the simplest system, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, other thing at first level, martial actions. Now, these are effectively a fighting style, but they have requirements. And you, yeah, so uh, there, are, there are four lists in this document. You get one of them. Uh, they are aim, guard, quick strike, and wind up. I'll do aim and uh, wind up first because they're basically the same thing, but for different weapons. It sounds like they gave the uh, gave something nice to melee attackers. Yeah. So with aim, it's specifically it's specifically when wielding a ranged weapon, and with wind up, it's when wielding a two handed weapon or a versatile weapon with both hands. Oh come on! Give the give give the one hander some love, people. So what it is is you choose a target, just a guy. Uh, with aim, it's a person you can see, and with uh, wind up, it's a person within five feet of you. If you make an attack against them with the weapon before the end of your turn, you have expertise on the attack roll. I like that. Yeah, specifically the first attack roll. So it doesn't like scale up multi attack where you just go like, "All right, I choose you." Now I have plus fucking six to the all four of my attacks, or plus twelve to all four of my attacks at that point. But yeah, just simple. Go forward. Uh, it It is nice, a little bit of just like standardizing, like, hey, if you're using ranged weapons, it does this. If you're using melee, they do the same thing, but with melee. And not just going, all right, if you have melee, then you're hitting, then you're hitting better. And if you have range, then you're hitting harder. 
Cause that yeah, seemed, I like that. Because that seemed to be the thing from old one where it was like, yeah, I went with the bow style, so I had two to damage. Oh, I went with the fighting style, so I added two to attacks. Uh, next up, guard. Oh, sorry. All these are also bonus actions. Nice. So a fighter has a Given use for his bonus action. the fighter some bonus action economy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with guard, you select one enemy within five, of you, five feet of you. That target has disadvantage in the first attack roll made against you or an ally within five feet of you. Oh, I like that. Giving the fighter boy some ability to protect his allies. I like that. Yep, and that requires a shield. Eh, that's fair. And then quick strike, requiring two weapons. As a bonus action, uh, you make a light attack with a we- with a light weapon you're holding. Uh, you add your ability modifier to the damage as if it was a normal attack. If the uh, light we- if the light weapon has thrown property, you can choose to throw it for this attack. Now, that sounds very similar to what it does in 5e. However, with this, it doesn't require you to have taken the attack action. Oh. Because in 5e, if you want to make a, if you want to make like a bonus action attack with a light weapon you're holding, you have to use the attack action. This just lets you offhand completely for free for a bonus action. And you can use your action to do anything else. If you're like trying to fucking so like, could, so you can consistently be dealing out damage while you're say running up to your ally to shove a healing potion up their butt. Yeah, if there's some dude who's like fucking like fifty five feet away from you, you can run, dash, and then still fucking stab him. And presuming that, and presuming that the uh, that the short sword is still light. That's some not insignificant damage at like lower levels. Hell, even at higher levels, being able to get in that damage for the first round, one d six plus strength mod or dex mod, depending on your build. Yeah, that's like that's like a good like twentieth of their HP, which assume average party of four, given standard outputs, that's going to reduce the battle by an entire combat round. Yeah, I also really do. I, yeah, it, I'm an optimizer for those of you who don't know. <laughs> I really like Quick Strike. Uh, level two, Action Surge. It's an Action Surge. Whoa, it's Action Surge. Yep. At level three, your Discipline, which is your fighter subclass. Uh, you then get another feature at level seven. These only go up to level eight, remember? Uh, then at level four and eight, you get Improvements. Oh, they also fucked up here. Uh, it's fourth and sixth level and eighth level. Because remember, they're fighters. Yeah, so how they're doing improvements is you increase one of your ability scores by one and choose a talent, which is their term for feats. Mm-hmm. Which I just kind of like that. We'll get into the feats a bit later because they have a bunch of them in the back of the book, in the back of this document, but... I like, I, I just kind of like it. I just kind of like the, I kind of like, like the taking of the, like, like with a lot of feats in 5e, they will have, hey, increase one of these ability scores by one, and then you also get this other thing for the feat. Half feats. Sure, yeah. It's a community term. I have never heard that term before. 
but yes. well, you're not an optimizer. So yeah, of course not. You don't frequent the same forums. I do. <laughs> yeah. My idea of optimization is, Hey, how quickly can I get the cringe ability? Hey, how quickly can I not take Eldritch Blast on all of my warlocks? I took it. I took it on one of them. The last 5e game you started before we decided to abandon 5e entirely. Uh, no, that game's still going. Like, I just, you know, haven't had time to run it because of all of the other shit that we've had to do. Yeah. Curse Destiny is coming back soon. Properly. We got we got a couple of episodes left in the backlog, and then we're going to be starting recording the new episode soon. So, yeah. Hopefully you guys will enjoy. Yeah, and then a fifth level multi-attack. Which is on your turn, you take two attacks for the attack action. Wow, that's so unique. Yeah. That's actually a really good ability. <laughs> just being yeah, it's, just, it's just a straight up good ability. Yeah. And because it's the 5e fighter, they're going to get more of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on from there, we got the disciplines. We got two of them. I'll start off with the first one, the Spellblade. Which is the Eldritch Knight. What? No. Yeah. Uh, also, some terminology that ancient here. Uh, spell level is now spell ring. Ew. It's the way they have a they have a diagram. And then they also refer to uh, the different uh, like classifications of spells, like arcane, primal, divine. They refer to those as circles. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, so starting at third level, you get two cantrips in the Arcane Circle list, as well as uh, two first ring spell slots and three spells known. Uh, looking at the chart, assuming that it goes as high as it goes in the chart, uh, the highest high spell level you can get is fourth. Hmm. And it uses I mean, that's your fair. You're also a fighter. Yeah, and it uses your intelligence. Uh, the other thing you get at third, the other couple things you get at third level are um, enchant weapon, which is the weapon bond thing, but it's changed and it's different, and I think it's a little bit better and a little bit worse. Uh, so yeah, you spend an hour with a weapon, could be, be done during a rest, and it becomes your enchanted weapon. While you are holding it, it's a magic weapon that grants you plus one to attack and damage rolls, and when you aren't holding it, it's not magic anymore. The old version of this in 5e is you cannot be disarmed while you are conscious. And if the weapon isn't on you, you can bonus action teleport it to you. Which is cool. Yeah, it's cool for like, uh, it is very cool for a like aesthetic thing. It would almost never come up. No, it never came up. And any times I played an Eldritch Knight, I always had my sword on me. Yeah, my entire thing, my entire idea was like, oh yeah, so we're gonna go in here. They're gonna like fucking disarm us because you know, blah, blah, blah. and then I just go, ah, hey, surprise, fucker, and then summon the sword to your hand. But that never comes up because no one ever disarms their players. I did once like have a situation where I had to summon it. Um, we were at camp, and I'd gone to bathe in a pool, and I left my sword at camp because why would I take my sword when I'm going to go take a bath? Uh-huh. So I had to summon it to fight a kelpie. By myself, because even though I was screaming at the top of my lungs, none of the party ever noticed. Why would they? 
<laughs> they all kept failing their perception checks. <laughs> ah, but yeah. I, came, I came back soaked and angry, and they were like, nice bath? <laughs> Fuckers. Because <laughs> the players knew what was going on. Yeah. But yeah, while like losing disarm kind of sucks, no one disarms players. And replacing a cool but ultimately useless ability with just straight static plus one to attack and damage rolls, I feel like that's decent. Yeah, that's decent. That's a decent swap. Yep. Uh, expanded talent list. So this is the thing they mentioned I think last time, where classes only have access to specific talent lists, which are martial, magical, and technical. With martial being, you know, largely just fucking fighty stuff. Magic being magic stuff, and technical being everything that isn't those two. Being rogue tricks. Yeah, and so normally, fighters only have access to the martial list. Take your spellblade, you also get access to the magic list. Which, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and then the final ability that you get at level 7 for uh, the first 8 levels is spell multi-attack. Which is... When you use your multi-attack class feature to make multiple attacks with, a, with an attack action, you can replace one of those attacks with a cantrip. You cannot cast more than one cantrip in one attack action in this way. But that's still pretty fucking good. Yeah, that's pretty swish. It is also infinitely better than the Elder's Knight. Yeah. Because the Elder's Knight, for those who don't know, when you make an when you when you cast a cantrip, you can then bonus action make one melee attack. Mm-hmm. With this though, you get high enough level, get like I think it's two action surges. Eventually, like action surges, I believe like level up or like you get more of them as you level up. Uh, in standard fighter, yes. Yeah, so if they keep that the same, then like you get two of them, then. You get like high enough level multi attack, you're making nine attacks and casting three cantrips in a turn, potentially. If you are, if you just fucking like, if you just like fucking go fucking full hog on one dude. It's called Novaing. <laughs> <laughs> you just put your whole pussy in it. <laughs> so then. Uh, moving on to the next thing, the Weapon Master, which is a new Battle Master. I would have never guessed. Yeah, so starting off, you get Mastery, which is choose three simple or martial weapons with which you are provisioned. Once per turn, when you roll damage for an attack with a weapon you have mastered, you can re-roll one of the weapon's damage dice and use either result. That's just kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, and then you get stunts. That's probably the biggest departure in terms of, like, mechanically. Because you don't no longer have superiority dice. You instead have stunt points. Every stunt has a point cost, and then in order to actually use them, you have to meet the requirements and then spend the point cost. Which, in terms of the stuff in this playtest material, everything costs one point. And you have a number of points equal to your proficiency bonus plus one. Yes. 
Oh, that was just me breathing. Just <laughs> okay. Breathing. That sounded like you was going. <sighs> I wasn't about to gripe. I was just breathing. <laughs> I'm having a little bit of asthma these days. Outstanding. You got something to do with all that metal shavings you're breathing in, blacksmithing? I wear a mask. I was going to make a joke about that, but no. We are not in the time to be able to make jokes about masks. I practice workplace safety, Dad. Anyway, yeah, so with the stunts, you choose three of them. Uh, some of them require saves, and the save is 8 plus proficiency bonus plus your strength or dex. You choose. So, uh, I'll run through a couple of these. Uh, arcing Strike. You need a two-handed weapon that deals slashing damage. When you deal damage with an attack, you can deal an additional half that damage to a different target within five feet of you. Ooh, I like that. That's yeah. like that's like old school cleave. Yeah, a little which bit. Which is one of my favorite feats. Yeah, uh, cheap shot. Your wielding melee weapon. When you hit a target with a melee weapon as part of the attack action, you can then immediately make an unarmed strike against the target as part of the same attack action. Which, the way that's worded, implies that that doesn't use up the extra attack. So, on an attack action, you can spend an attack point and make three attacks when you have only two. Which ain't nothing. No, that ain't nothing. That's something. Yeah, uh, next up, Hobbling Strike. When you hit a creature with a weapon as part of an attack action, you can forego dealing damage and instead have their speed until your next turn. Oh, I like that. That's especially good on a on a class that gets a lot of attacks. Yeah. Um, make it count. When you take the attack action, you can make a single weapon attack with a plus 10 to the attack roll. You cannot make additional attacks as part of that attack action, even if the features, even if features like multi-attack would normally allow you to do so. So instead of just getting a couple attacks in, you just make one big attack that's probably definitely going to hit. That's the finishing blow kind of move. Yeah. If this was Pathfinder, that would be fucking broken as hell. <laughs> Just instantly. Oh, you hit? Cool. You crit. Because, yeah, since it's using base five yeah. eagles. Yeah, you could, you could use, like, you could use that on low-level enemies to just constantly crit. Just auto-crit. Uh, oh, we're fighting a couple of goblins? I add plus ten to my attack. Well, if, if, you're do, if you're doing low-level fights at, at high enough levels anyway, you're already basically auto-critting on them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But this is like if you're fighting somebody of your level. Just adding plus 10 to an attack roll, that would hit. That's just auto-crits, baby. Yeah, that's just, wow. <laughs> but that's not, it's not how, this, how it works in this system. It is not. I need, yeah. Think, but thinking about it in this system only, that's still pretty fucking good. Oh, yeah. Plus 10 in bounded accuracy means you're going to hit. Yeah, just like it's like foregoing multiple attacks that could miss and getting one attack that will definitely hit. Like, what level is this tied to? I assume it's got a level requirement. Uh, Level three. Level. Okay. Assuming an unoptimal build, a dexterity of 14... Uh, snipe, you're going to be shooting at them, so uh, you probably took the bow specialty. So, for reference, that doesn't have a requirement. That's any attack action. Okay. 
Just the way you're the way you're the way you're describing it, it sounds like you're going, Oh yeah, so this guy's obviously a fucking dex build. This is obviously a dex requirement. No, thing. no, no. no. Right? I'm just I'm just choosing like I'm just putting together some numbers. Okay. So we've got a plus two. Uh, I believe proficiency bonus is plus one at that level. Plus or two. is it plus two at that level? All right. So expertise to plus four. So you've got a plus six on the base attack roll. Uh you're adding plus ten, so that's a minimum of sixteen. Uh, crit fails are auto misses, so two mi- minimum of two to eighteen hits your average AC at that level. Plus, it exceeds your average. That is a guaranteed hit. Yeah, and if you roll a natural one, you just spend three luck points and re-roll it. Yeah, because they didn't say you can't re-roll natural ones. Nope. Oh, it said that the luck could not uh, affect natural ones. It said it said that adding with luck can't, oh, okay, can't change natural ones. It doesn't say anything about using three luck points to just re-roll. So yeah, spend three luck points to re-roll, thus increasing your chance to hit <laughs> from 95 to 97%. There you go. That's for all you guys out there who can't roll above a two. <laughs> yeah, you're not doing the fucking whirly bird fucking, fucking I make 19 attacks. Would you rather have 19 attacks that miss or one that hits? And hell, this is also great for the sniper kind of build, where it's like, I'm taking a minus five due to range penalties. I can still hit you. Yeah. Well, I feel like it's because this is disadvantage at range. But either way, <laughs> you roll a fucking nat one. Whoopsie doops, I spend my three luck. Anyway, repost. It's repost. Only difference is you can't be using a heavy weapon when doing it. Ah, dinger. Oh, no. Whatever will we do? Oh, boo. Uh, Run through. Requires a weapon that deals piercing damage. When you deal damage with a weapon attack, you can deal additional half that amount of damage to a different target you can see within five feet of the original target. Awesome. Which... That that implies that stabbing through someone can give you rapier reach. Oh, oh, I like it. Because it's a different target within five feet of the original target. Five feet behind them is still within five feet of them. Five feet next to them. Dead. (laughs) You could stab them and while stabbing, twist your rapier to run two people through, forcing them to turn. You just stab in. You just stab into a person, and suddenly your sword bends ninety degrees. I was more thinking of suddenly they bend ninety degrees. <laughs> just fold in half like a door. <laughs> you just you just close them like a book. Oh, <sighs> oh man, we're dumb. <laughs> we're gamers. Yeah, uh, shifting strike requires a melee weapon to deal slashing damage. Uh, when you successfully hit a creature with a weapon attack. You can immediately move the, to a different unoccupied square within five feet of that target. Oh, you can move. Okay. Yeah. This movement does not count against the normal amount of movement you're allowed to make in a turn. I like that. I like that for one reason. The biggest problem Dad and I often have when running encounters is that players just sit there. They do not move. They just get into position and they're done. That's all the movement they're doing for the rest of the fight. and. 5th edition is terrible for combat movement because it's all right you got up to the enemy 
Now, if you so much as breathe in the wrong direction, you're going to take an attack of opportunity. And players treat attacks of opportunity as if they're guaranteed death sentences. Yeah. Which for wizards, they are, but. Yeah. If you're in melee as a wizard, you either built your wizard wrong or you fucked up. Or you're a blade singer. Well, as as we will get into later, blade singer is not a thing in this, so <laughs> not, a th- not a thing yet. Have they released any monsters? Uh, no. Uh, so far with this, this is mainly focusing on character stuff because mm-hmm. that's the main difference they're going to be doing. Like with monster stuff, they have their books. Okay, so there are already books that we're supposed to be able to use. Okay, yeah, because it's hard to play test without enemies. Yeah, according to according to them, and according to this document. Everything that is good for 5th edition is good for core fantasy roleplay. Okay. Okay. Because again. Because that's one of my big problems whenever I see uh, playtests getting released is like, where are the monsters? Yeah. Just anything that is in from the Kobold Press Library or anything you have from the Monster Manual or anything you have from the SRD. Because the SRD has a bunch of fucking creatures in it. Mm-hmm. And then final one, uh, sweep the leg. You need a melee weapon. When you hit a creature of of no larger than one size category above you with a melee weapon, they have to make a strength save or get tripped. Finally. I love I love being able to do weird shit in combat as a fighter cuz fighters are so boring to play in most systems. Yeah, just just getting the opportunity like, to just do more things than just hit gooder. Like in in most systems, the fighter's job is I swing my sword I swing it again. I swing it a third time. That's my turn. That's the fighter in most systems. And it's so dull. So just giving them a little bit of spice. It's part of why one of the big things I've wanted for years in 5th edition was weapon variety. Weapons that could make trip attempts. Weapons that had greater reach. Weapons that just did weird shit. Because there are weapons in reality that just do weird shit. (laughs) <laughs> and then I forced you to learn Pathfinder. And I was a happy panda. So not only do they have weapons that do weird shit, they also have fighters that do weird shit. And I am a happy panda. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> they include a behind the curtain thing here, just saying they're going to add more. Good. There's going to add Good. a bunch more, including some more weapon-based stunts. Because you saw there were a couple in here, like two-handed that deals slashing damage, weapons that deal piercing. Slashing, melee, range stuff. Well, there wasn't any range thing in here, but they are probably going to be adding stuff for like range things and then probably heavy weapon stuff. Mm-hmm. Just expanding your expanding the variety of things you can do and giving benefits for people who specialize in one thing. Oh, I don't have to mention this. I should also say. I believe the stunts you can do have to be with a weapon that you will have mastered. So if you like master longsword, you can't do like parry with a short sword. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, that's fine. Well, they built. We the... might have to get a rules clarification on that one, but because well, well, how do you mean? Well, there, like, if all of them require mastery, that'll be annoying. You learn three weapon. You 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 become a master with three weapons when you get when you get the class feature. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Yeah. Do you not remember when the first I hear class master, When I hear master, I'm used to, oh yeah, you have to be like 16th level. 
before you can use any of this. No, at third level, the first feature you get for the Weapon Master is Mastery. Cool. Okay, then. Yeah, you choose three weapons. You're mastered with them. That's the thing I read before I started reading this. I know you're tired, but pay attention. You You know I don't listen to you. Come on, man. Yeah, and then at seventh level, you crit on a 19. Not bad. Yeah, it's a little bit boring, but... Yeah, a little bit boring, but you can't have everything be fucking chocolate chips and rainbows. Not everything can be world-changingly decent. Yeah. Moving on next to Wizard. Wizard! Wizard! You're a wizard dead! I'm a dead wizard, giving my fucking D6 hit points. Because, <laughs> yeah. Okay, can we just dispel that myth? <laughs> Like, if you're getting killed at first level, it's because your party isn't helping you. No, yeah. It, like, like wizards should not be getting targeted by the enemies unless the DM's a dick or the party's not helping. Well, like, I don't agree with that. Because if a fucking, like, group of bandits are, like, coming up on a bunch of dudes and they see one guy throw a fire bolt out of his goddamn hand, they're going to go, hey, get that fucker. He might have more. They shouldn't get the chance to because there should be someone in front of them. That's my thing. If they have, if and if, if the enemies have bows. Oh yeah, that that's different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> saying. I'm not saying have all your melee dealers just fucking abandon what they're doing and charge straight at the wizard. I have seen it happen. Yeah, so have I. I've genuinely seen it happen, and I've been like, dude, that's not cool. Do you not want us to play casters? You should say that. Yeah, like having like having your having like your range dealers or other spellcasters target the other caster yeah i i have had dms straight up like have enemies take attacks of opportunity so they could get to the wizard to kill them (laughs) and it's just like dude do you not like casters did a caster kill your dad or rape your mom or something what the hell like come on dude not cool not fun yeah so anyway wizards they're fucking wizards d6 hit points training and nothing <laughs> saves our intelligence to wisdom because they're wizards skill proficiencies two from arcana history insight investigation medicine and religion and then they have their starting gear <laughs> now brand about putting your equipment on your sheet remembering what you have writing it down checking yep spell casting so they get cantrips they know three cantrips at first level, and then it goes up from there. Hmm. They have yeah, a spell. They have a spell book. It contains six first ring arcane circle spells. You know, like a spell book do. Wait, spell books are to hold spells? I know, right? It's wild. I thought they were for recipes. That's a formula book. Oh shit, you're right. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, keep, you gotta keep, you got your formula book where you keep your recipes for, uh, for like you know, a nice quiche as well as alchemical fire. That is one of my favorite things about Pathfinder. <laughs> and now they have, and now you can make a quiche of alchemical fire. Because uh, alchemical foods are a thing now. But let's focus on this. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, preparing spells. Uh, it's your int modifier plus your wizard level. That's how many you, you can prepare. It's it's five e. Woo. Spellcasting is intelligence, and newish thing ritual casting rituals are now separate spells from spell casting spells 
Okay. Ritual spells do not require a spell slot, as normal, and only rituals can be cast as rituals. So they they have made some, they didn't make a change to like comprehend languages and detect magic because there are a couple spells in here. Those can no longer be cast as rituals. They have to be used. You have to be cast using spell slots. Hmm. I don't like that. I'm largely okay with it because I I think with the because like detect magic detect magic was very spammable. Yeah. Yeah, no, like taking some <laughs> things out of the ritual category, I can understand, but like having certain, sp- uh, I don't like it. <laughs> it's a change. Yeah. Yeah. Also, speaking of changes, uh, they need to make some changes to this document because there's some fuck ups in here. On on the table, like on the table, like there for their thing, it's cantrips known, rituals known, and then spell levels, well, spell slots. Mm-hmm. At level one, you said you know one ritual. In the thing describing ritual casting, it says at level one you get two rituals. Whoops. I know it's a play test, but like, come on. Which is it? We need an errata already. Yeah. Uh, and then also uh, every level up, you get two more spells. Of a level you can cast. Yeah. Okay. And you can also just, you can still copy shit. And it's level plus your... Uh... Plus your intelligence for how many spells you can prepare. Yes, I said that. Yeah, I'm just I couldn't remember. I was double checking. Yeah, and they also have their little sidebar explaining how your spell book works. Uh, copying spells in for each ring of the spell, it's two hours and fifty gold pieces. Oh come on! So first ring spell is you know two hours and fifty gold. A second a second ring spell is four hours and hundred gold. You know that cost is why I don't like playing wizards. Yeah, uh, replacing. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, uh, replacing your book, which I don't. I I know there was a replacing the book thing. I do not know how it was done in Five E because it never came up because we no one has ever had to replace a spell book. At least at least in the games I've played, I had to once and I don't remember how it worked. But yeah, um, cop the yeah, who uh, so um. Copying a spell in your spell book into a new spell book is half the time, yes, half the time and uh, one-fifth the gold cost per thing. If you lose your spell book, you can only ref- you can only fill in your new spell book with the spells you had prepared when you lost your old one. I think that's actually what it was. Okay. I'm not, don't quote me on it because, like I said, I did it once. Yeah, we can, but I think that's what it was. If you lose your spell, so I'm looking at the thing. Yeah, this is all the same. Yeah, it's literally just a copy paste. <coughs> all right. Yeah, I never really read that because it's never come up for me, at least. I like I said once, <laughs> once I had to do it once. Yeah. Also, they have a little player advice thing. Hey, if it's been a while since you've like put, since you found or had the opportunity to purchase new like spell scrolls and stuff, ask your DM, and also ask your DM for the downtime to be able to do it and the money. Yeah. Also, ask your DM to actually give you some goddamn loot. For fuck's sake! Seriously. Oh, cool. We got seventeen copper. Fucking awesome. Now I can afford some gruel. 
I literally, I don't play wizards because no one gives me the money to copy goddamn spells. This is on you, DMs. Hey, I give you plenty of money. Yeah, you give me money. But the party never needs a wizard. <laughs> they just, they need a babysitter. <laughs> anyway, and also arcane recovery. It's arcane recovery. It works the exact same. New thing, though, at second level. Magic sense. So, as an action, until the end of your next turn, you know the location of any creatures with the ability to cast spells, ongoing spell effects, or magical items within 30 feet of you. Oh, that is going to get abused fast. You can use it a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus plus one. That's going to get abused fast. Yes, it is. But still, like, it is, it is kind of just like the divine sense for paladins. But for magic, yeah. and I, I like that. Wizards are the magic. Them being able to innately know what magic is and happening, that makes sense to me. And just because something's going to get abused doesn't mean it's broken or unbalanced or anything like that. Yeah, no. I just, I know players. I've been one for too long. Yeah. Uh, the spell, this ability is also blocked by a one foot of stone, one inch of common metal, a thin sheet of lead, or three feet of wood or dirt. So the standard detection uh, restrictions, pretty much. Yes. And now... That actually sounds a little bit more restrictive. And now I'm wondering... So, blocked by one foot of stone. Is that one foot of stone completely flat against it, blocking it off? Or one foot that includes going around a corner? Because if you have an enemy spellcaster hiding behind a corner, and you're able to sneak up and do that, you'd be able to know they're there. I'd say that... You, if you can draw a straight line from the character to the person, however much stone is between the person and the character using the detect magic is yeah, that seems how fair. much there is. Yeah, that seems fair. But still, having the ability to just know a spellcaster when they're within 30 feet of you. And what I just said still allows for like going around corners, so long as that corner isn't one foot of solid stone. Yeah. But if if it, if you're going if you're going to that corner with one, with that where it's not one foot of solid stone, that wizard's probably already popped out and cast a spell at you. But yeah, at third level, they get their arcane tradition, and then at fourth and eighth level, they get their uh, improvements. With the improvements only being able to be taken from the magic list, you know, because they're wizards. You're a lizard, Barry Rotter. Hargit's having a strong. <laughs> uh. So, moving on to their arcane traditions. And I kind of already like it because it's not just the schools of magic. Uh, that was my biggest problem with 5th edition was wiz your wizard is identified by illusion. And only illusion. Don't and try to do anything else. it good either. <laughs> Like, none of the arcane traditions for the magical schools were good, except for, like, abjuration and necromancy. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't, wasn't abjuration pretty busted? Abjuration is is decent, and uh, necromancy was decent. And that was, like, it. Every other one, it was like, I want to specialize in this. So I'm going to take the opposite so that I can... It's just weird. It's just weird. Yeah, so, first up, arcane tradition, battle mage. Like, And also, like, just one more thing. Okay. It's more like this is the optimizer in me. It is more optimal 
to take spells that aren't in your arcane tradition in fifth edition because you can then copy down spells from your arcane tradition for cheaper. So when you level up and get new spells, it is far better uh, better spent your time and money to take spells that, if you're an abjuration wizard, it's far better for you to take non-abjuration spells. Okay, then. Monetarily speaking. It's so stupid. Alrighty, so, Battle Mage. I tried looking up, like, uh, comparisons to this. I don't think there's, like, a one-to-one comparison for it. Maybe War, not 100%, but yeah, so with... Oh, God, fuck War Mage. <laughs> so, they have two features at third level. Expanded talent list. They can also take from the martial list now, as opposed to just the magic list. Cool. And Spell Ward, which is Wizard Rage. <laughs> so, how it works is, when you cast an arcane spell of the first ring or higher, you can simultaneously wield a protective ward around yourself. You gain a bonus to your AC equal to your proficiency bonus, and you have resistance to bludgeoning, slashing, and piercing. Yeah, that sounds like wizard rage to me. It lasts for a minute, it ends early if you are knocked unconscious, or if you end your turn and haven't cast a leveled spell. If I ever play this wizard, I'm just going to shout math (laughs) (laughs) as I go into wizard rage. Math! Yeah, so having it be tied to the number of leveled spells you're casting in a turn, or the leveled spells you're casting, because it is it is specifically, if you haven't cast a leveled spell since your last turn, mm-hmm. then it drops. Yeah. Which, that's not great. You gotta manage your spells. Yep. But still, one round, at least one round of, at, like, third level, mm-hmm. plus two to AC when you're a wizard, and resistance to fucking weapon damage. Resistance to the... I'm gonna fuck you up, because <laughs> all that's what's coming in. Yeah, is non-magical attacks usually. Because while I love wizard duel, wizard duel never happens ever, <laughs> unless you are going into a thing that is specifically wizard versus wizard, and no one else. And even then, <laughs> like people will cheat. Just turns into slap fights. That's what it usually is. Actually, just everyone casts their high level shit. And no one dies, and they just run up to start like just. Just go and, like, fucking shot for shot. Let's see who gets knocked out first. (laughs) And there's one guy who rolls it with a 12 strength. And everyone's like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. We'll never survive. It's the muscle wizard run. (laughs) It's mash burn dead. (laughs) I've actually been reading muscles and magic. It's, It's so good. It's so fun. So I love the faces people make to things he does. Yeah, it's great. Ugh. And I also love that like he's a character that is that kind of falls into the same like that kind of falls into like the stoic non-emoting character, but he still has so much personality to him. Well, that's the thing. He's not stoic. He's just dumb. Well, his face doesn't move. <laughs> it does when there's a cream puff involved. <laughs> yeah, but that's just because that's because he needs, he needs to move to open the mouth to fit the cream puff in. Exactly. <laughs> Read Mashal Muscles and Magic. New chapters are available for free on the app, and then they get, and then you can just fucking buy them. It's so worth your time. It's so worth your time. It's so much fun. Like I started reading reading JJK, and it got too serious for me, so I went to Mashal, which I had to look up. I'm assuming it's Jujutsu Kaisen. Yes, Jujutsu Kaisen. 
Okay. Anyway, the other third level ability you get as a battle mage is Tactical Caster. When you cast a spell that deals damage, you can choose yourself and any number of allies to be immune from the damage caused by the spell. <sighs> so you can fire a ball to your heart's content. I would prefer if it was proficiency bonus number of allies. Eh, at a certain point, it's just going to be like, yeah, but at low levels, it forces you to be strategic. Like how when we're dropping uh, dropping grenades in your Starfinder game, we have to be like, all right, I'm going to put it in this square so I don't hit all of my allies. And then you fuck up and it rolls directly into your allies' taint. <laughs> oh, no, the crit last time we got a crit fell on a grenade, it bounced straight into our faces from the enemy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, guy went, to, guy went to throw a grenade at one party member to bounce down and hit two of them. Yeah, he got a far better situation, so. <sighs> I love Starfinder. It can be a lot, but I fucking love it. Oh, it's so good. Alrighty. So good. Then, seventh level, contingency plan. Whenever I already like the name of this. Whenever you fail to hit a creature with a spell attack, you can use your reaction to change the target to a different guy. Make a new attack roll. Oh, I like this. I like that. Because then you've got the wizards like, I was never aiming for you. And it hits the guy behind him. It's like, oh! Yeah, and then everyone in the party's like, he fucked up again. <laughs> he missed, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yaddy, yaddy, does he? <laughs> and then, that's it for the Battle Mage. We go to the second subclass, Cantrip Adept. Now, this one is interesting. Because Cantrip Adept is a thing they had already released. This is a subclass they made in their book, The Tome of Heroes, meant to be used for 5e wizards normally. Okay. And this, and the reason they're doing it, is, as they say, they want to confirm and show how easy it is to convert existing 5e options into the core role-playing system. Okay, I like that. I like that. Yeah, just actually showing... Hey, here's our work. It's not that hard. Whereas Wizards is going, hey, don't worry, it's gonna be completely backwards compatible. Don't worry about the fact that we fucked up how all your subclasses work. And we've completely mangled one of your favorite classes. Fuck yeah, baby. Just, yeah. It's like, come on. <laughs> Druid is Druid is a complicated class, but we like it. <laughs> well, fuck you. You wanna be tiny? Wait till level 14. Fucking pieces of trash. We're not going to be covering the one D&D place material, as we've said before. We're still going to read it. We're going to gripe about it. <laughs> yeah. Which is to say, I will read it and then yell at it and then yell at it, Caveman. I, I actually, I don't read it. I watch other people's content on it. So I understand it better. Because when I read this shit, I'm just like, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we do it like this, where I've read it and then read it to him. <gasps> I'm a smart guy. But I'm also not a smart guy. <laughs> He's an auditory learner. Uh, I'm an active learner. I learn by doing. And half the time I don't want to be doing. <laughs> yeah, so anyway. Uh, cantrip Adept. Which I kind of already love. Because we have talked before about just like cantrip focus builds. I absolutely adore cantrip focus fire. Just because... 
there are there are base ways in fifth edition to be really good with cantrips and you can get a lot of them yeah depending on your build you can get a lot of cantrips yeah so with the cantrip adept uh, i also read the uh i also read the cantrip adept from a uh, tome of heroes and the only real difference is Instead of getting these abilities, instead of getting the abilities I'm about to read at second level, sorry, at third level and seventh level, you get you get them at second and sixth because that's when wizards get their subclass stuff. Hmm. And they change the wording around a little bit so that it says arcane circle and ring and whatever and like lineage and talent as opposed to as opposed to wizard spell list, spell level, race and feats. So first up. Arcane Alacrity. Whenever you cast an Arcane Cantrip that has a casting time of one action, you can change the casting time to a bonus action. Oh, I already love it. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus and regain all expended uses, finishing a long rest. And Cantrip Polymath. You gain two cantrips of your choice from any circle spell list. Oh. For you, these cantrips are arcane circle cantrips and don't count against the number of cantrips you know. That is awesome. In addition, any cantrip you learn or can cast from any other source, such as from a lineage or a talent, counts as an arcane circle cantrip for you. This is so good. And then, at 7th level, potent spellcasting. You can add your proficiency bonus to one damage roll of any arcane cantrip you cast. Is that just pretty fucking good? Yeah, that's pretty fucking swish. That is the biggest change from their like converting over. Uh, it was originally you had to get you added your intelligence modifier to the damage. I like this better mm-hmm. because it scales better. Like, yeah, you're doing less damage kind of overall, but also the number goes up, and people like numbers going up. Yeah, people like numbers get bigger. And it can end up being higher than what you could traditionally get because uh, I believe, uh, like, unless you get the fucking, unless you unless you fucking badger your DM and letting you get one of those fucking manuals that bumps your intelligence, max you get is 20. Yep. So, get, so you get up to, like, I think, like, level, like, 16, 17. You're adding plus six damage. And also, with this, like, with 5e in particular, not this system, but with 5e, if you built, like, if you had, like, the luck on your, on your side and you built properly, you're upgrading your intelligence once, maybe. If you built properly and your the luck is on your side, your, your intelligence is a 20 at level 1. Yeah. Because don't forget, I have a 20 charisma and I never touched my charisma. Yeah. In this system, you're bumping your intelligence once. Because max you can get this is max you can get a character creation. This is eighteen. Yeah, I, I also just like that. Just getting the ability to having the ability to add stuff to your cantrips, not just be a warlock thing. Well, there's all it's like there are clerics, there are subclasses of cleric that get it, but yeah, yeah, just just having that be more spread out, having it be a thing that can happen because cantrips are so good, but one of their biggest downfalls is that they are purely dice, nothing else. 
My biggest problem with cantrips is they all of the save ones are save or suck. Yeah. As in, you save, they suck. Yeah. Uh, maybe cantrip polymath will change that. Not 100% because I haven't read the rest of the class. Mm-hmm. I just read the things that needed to be read and then moved on. Because I don't have the fucking time. I had two hours and I had to make lunch. That. I had two hours and I had to make lunch. And I still haven't finished my lunch. Anywho. Uh, yeah, so that is it for the classes. Uh, talent stuff. They have added a couple talents, including changing some talents. Uh, so, yeah, probably, I, I, I can say whatever the fuck I want here about like, yeah, we're just going to do... Yeah, we're just going to fucking, like, go, go over, like, the basics and then move on. I'm going to be fucking reading everything about every one of these. <laughs> uh, so first up with the magic talents, uh, mental fortitude. This is one that changed from the previous document. Uh, with them saying that the change they made was changing the language of the first bullet point because a lot of people apparently got very confused by that in, in the playtest uh, feedback. So originally, it read, once per long resting when you fail an intelligence, wisdom, or charisma saving throw, you can choose to re-roll the save and take the new result. You must declare your intention to re-roll before the results of the save are resolved. Yeah, that makes sense. They changed that sentence too. You must declare your intention to re-roll uh, after you have learned you have failed, but before the GM has resolved the consequences of the roll. That is entirely different from what I understood it to be. What did you understand to be from the first time I read it? I assumed that you had to decide to re-roll before you found out if you failed or not. No. you. Yet, uh, with this, it is, okay, you know you failed. Because because like it's once per long rest when you fail a save. If you don't know if you failed, how can you decide to re-roll a failed save? Fair point. But yeah, so changing that sentence, making it a bit more focused. Uh, and then the other sentence is, and the other point is, if you're affected by an ongoing spell or magical effect that targets only you, due to failing an intelligence wisdom or charisma saving throw, you can repeat the save at the end of each of your turns, ending the effect on, ending the effect on a success. Which that's like, if you get hit by a Gaius and only get a, and only get an effect, uh, get to save once per month. This gives you once per six seconds, as opposed to once per month. Making mages inherently better at the, against those spells, like they should be. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, this is the first like one of those behind the curtain things that goes on to the next page. Oh uh, yeah, so they also said uh, with the intention of the sentence, they want to make it clear to players that uh, they must use this feature immediately after learning they failed, but before the GM does all the work of illustrating what a failed roll means in the game. So someone goes to do a save thing, they learn they failed, and then before the GM starts like pulling out, you know, the fucking like whatever marker they have to say, hey, you're this, you've taken this much damage, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they also say, it is their hope this inclusion trains players to stay aware of their abilities so the GM isn't put in the tough spot of calculating full damage, reading off a long description, walking through the full consequences of a narrative failure, etc., then to have the take it back, then to have to take it back when a player suddenly remembers they can use this feature after the fact. Oh, that's not going to happen. At all. Motherfuckers are still going to go, motherfuckers are still going to take this, read the first sentence, not even internalize that, and then go, oh, wait, I can do this, like two turns after they got affected by a spell. I've got an ability. Can we go back? I shouldn't be chaos anymore. I rolled again. I got a 20. Yeah. And I should have done that like 
like two weeks ago. So can I just re- wreck on the last two weeks? Uh, players are the worst part about <laughs> we We say mockingly and not at all seriously. Partially seriously? No, not at all seriously. Because, like, people are the worst part of any social experience, but without them, you can't have the social experience. So, yeah, they're the worst part, but they're also the only reason it exists. Yeah. Beer, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. It's like that. Anyway, next magic trait, mental prowess. Bump your charisma, intelligence, or wisdom by one. Can't raise it above a 20. You can take the talent multiple times. And that seems to be the way they're changing the ASI, where it is every everyone gets plus one, and then if you want, you can take another plus one to just make it a plus two. I like that. Yeah, it's a little bit cumbersome, but it also is fine. It also doesn't penalize the stat growth of people who want to take talents. Yeah. Yeah. Which is my biggest problem with uh, feats, yeah. is that I wanna, they penalize the stat growth. I want to learn more languages, but, I, but then I won't get better. I want to get more skills, but then I won't get better. I want to stab gooder, but then I won't stab gooder. Fuck! What the fuck, dude? Something that a player actually asked me at one point, hey, uh, is there any way that I could take uh, what was it? Um, it was the great sword ability that lets you re-roll ones or something. Uh, great weapon master? Yeah. Is there any way I could take great weapon master and get a strength improvement? Because well, okay, like, so the so like the re-rolling ones, that's a fighting style. Well, great weapon master is minus five to the, the attack plus ten to damage. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking of. That's what my. It's been a while since I talked to this player about this game because yeah. this game ended. They're also named confusingly. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Ritualist. You have to have the spellcasting feature, but you choose a circle of magic. Arcane, divine, primordial, or weird. That's weird with a Y. That's how you know it's magic and not just strange. Because poor literacy is a thing that happens from time to time. Yeah, so... um. Yes, with Ritualist, uh, you get a ritual book. You choose one of those sp- uh, circles of magic. It can be different from your circle. So, like, if you're a druid, you can take a fucking... Like, if you're a druid who has the primordial list, you can take from the weird list arcane thing. Like, take from the weird list if you get Ritualist. You know how it do. Uh, when you get the ritual book for the first time, you add one ritual for each spell ring through which you have unlocked via your spellcasting class. So, their example, if you're a bard, you take the talent at fourth level, you have access to slots of the first ring and second ring. So you would add one first ring ritual and one second ring ritual. I like that. Every time you get a new ring of spell slots, you add one new ritual of that level. But yeah, that's just cool. Yeah. Uh... Next up, school specialization. This seems to be a this seems to be like where they have to put a lot of the um This seems to be where they put the old like a uh, wizard stuff. The old wizard subclass stuff. So you take this take this talent, choose one of the eight schools of magic. Which for those who don't know, abjuration, conjuration, divination, enchantment, evocation, illusion, necromancy, transmutation. 
When you take always it. weirded me out that teleportation is conjuration, but it makes sense that it is. You conjure you know a portal. I I make an illusion that I'm still here, but I'm gone. Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah. So uh, when you yeah, so when you take it, choose a school. Thinking the following benefits: when you cast a spell from the chosen school that requires you to make an attack roll, add plus one to the roll. When you cast a spell from the school that requires a saving throw, you add plus one to your DC. And oh, that uh, there's oh why why are there not more things that add to your DCs? Because fuck you. And finally, if you use a spellbook to cast your spells, the gold and time you spend copying a spell of that class of that school into your spellbook is halved. See, I hate that in the subclasses, but I like that as a talent. Yeah, because it's like it it separates it it separates it from just like being the core of the class. Because those like because those are like the core abilities of like the school based subclasses. Just it hey, was the, one of the first things you got, and it was always useless. Yep. Uh, this was in the previous document, but they changed this last sentence. You can select this talent multiple times, but you must choose a different school of magic each time. Can't keep having the cost of your evocation spells, guys. Yeah. You also can't you also can't take this four times to get plus four to your evocation attack rolls. <laughs> yeah, the old the, the old version of it said you can you can select this talent multiple times. Full stop. <laughs> Just <laughs> I smell an exploit! Yeah, every single level I take fucking school specialization. By the time I'm level twenty, oh baby, I will pay one gold to copy a ninth level spell into my spell book. It takes, and it will have a save DC of seventy. It'll take me two minutes. <laughs> Eat my fucking ass! This is a competitive game. And I'm not gonna win. Wham! I'm not a winner. Wario <laughs> uh, would be a great wizard. I think Waluigi would be a better wizard. I think Wario would actually make a really good cleric. Wario has too much money. Yeah, he's a greed cleric. <laughs> Is that, that's not a thing. He worships a god of greed. It's not a domain, I don't think. At least in 5e. I think it yeah, is, no, that's, I think that's it is a the pathfinder. Death that's the death domain, Dad. They're not greedy. Yeah, you want servants. What? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Is death domain not the one that does necromancy? Yeah, it is, but it's also not... You don't need to be greedy to be a necromancer. I don't know. Yoden's pretty greedy. Yoden's not a necromancer. He will be. Sure, good luck with that. Anyway, Artillerist from the Martial Talent list. A thing that I think also they fucked up on. Because I'm going to read it to you, and then have you guess the and then have you guess something about it. Okay. So, the Artillerist. Two abilities. And just so you guys know, I don't have a tab open. I don't know any of this. So if I guess it right, that's just blind, dumb luck. Yeah, so... You gain two benefits. First, you ignore the loading property of simple and martial weapons with which you are provisioned. 
and okay. two, you have advantage on attack rolls made with siege weapons or other projectile launching objects you operate. Your GM has final say on whether or not the object falls into that category. Okay. With the prerequisite, you have to have a you have to have an ability score of thirteen or higher. What ability score do you think it needs? I'm gonna guess it says Constitution. It says Strength. That was my second guess. Which I'm thinking it might have meant Dexterity, but I'm not a hundred percent. It because probably I, meant Dexterity because I can see an argument for needing a high Strength to be able to ignore a loading property on a crossbow. I can see it. I just don't think that that was their intent. Yeah, me either. Uh, so next up in the Marshall list, hand to hand. So with hand to hand, you have three benefits. You become proficient with unarmed strikes. Your unarmed strikes deal 1d6 bludgeoning damage plus strength. You have advantage on ability checks made to initiate or escape grapples. The biggest change with this is in the old version of it, if you were medium, it did a d6 plus strength. If you were small, you dealt a d4 plus strength. Hmm. Yes. Okay, so I come from the old days where if you played a small character, you got less damage dice, but you had other specific advantages. Specifically, it was harder to hit you when you had an easier time hitting them. I'm just a simple southern gentleman. I'm just a simple Southern DM, but like without, like since most systems seems to have gotten away from the, Hey, you're tiny. So that means you're harder to hit uh thing. I can totally understand. We'll normalize the damage dice. Yeah. Like if you, like it's fun playing small melee damage dealers. It sucks in older editions to go. All right. I'm going to be small. What, what do I roll? Oh, a D three tight. Yeah. A D3, but I also hit 5% more often than the fighter, which means that D3 plus my full strength mod means I'm actually keeping up with the other fighter on the team. Because that was the thing. Like, small melee damage dealers had a higher accuracy. They had a higher accuracy and were harder to hit. Eh. Size categories are always weird to me. Yeah, size categories are weird. You're not going to get any argument from me on that. How many people can stand in one square? Eh? <laughs> we have people who just assume because they're small they can do that. When specifically there is a halfling ability that lets you do that. My favorite thing is a square is a meter by a meter. If I'm fighting back to back with someone, we're occupying that. Or is it two meters? Uh, it's five feet. So yeah, in D&D, a square is big enough that I could fight back-to-back -back with Ben and neither of our guts would be poking out of the circle. Ben, for those who don't know, is Birdie. Yeah. I uh, very rarely refer to him by his proper name. We're doing it a lot more lately. Eh, I'm getting older. And? Well, as you get older, you see, you start turning into an adult and adults don't use nicknames like that. Yes, see? they fucking do. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm an adult and I don't use nicknames, dead man. <laughs> of course you don't, caveman. <laughs> I, I don't have a response for that one. <laughs> I, don't got any, I don't even got any snark ready for that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, 
that was a pretty significant change to the hand-to-hand thing. And they also included another behind-the-curtain thing, explaining that within their system, you are not automatically proficient in unarmed strikes. You, yeah, you, that. you have to take this feat in order to be, you have to take this feat or be given proficiency by your class or background or something to have proficiency with unarmed strikes. I'm okay with that. Yeah, which, yeah, that, that's the fine. Who punches people anyway? Me. Which characters punches people anyway? Monks. <laughs> Though I did play a fighter once who took unarmed fighting style just. Because I was like, damage output wise, it's going to outpace the monk for several levels. Yeah, and then and you were fighting, and then you were fighting only werewolves. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it uh, wasn't fun. <laughs> yeah. So they also uh, final martial talent they have in this document: uh, physical prowess. Bump your strength, dex, or calm by one. You take it multiple times. Then the technical talents. There's one of them. Touch of, yeah, touch of luck. Two benefits. Whenever you would gain a luck point as a result of failing an attack roll or saving throw, you instead get two. And if you have five luck points and would gain a sixth, your luck point total resets to D4 plus one. Okay, because I was going to say, there's the danger there of... Of... Uh, hitting your cap more quickly, but this also compensates for that danger. Yeah. Uh, so, they then move on to uh, spellcasting stuff. Getting a big old fucking chunk of just explaining how their spellcasting system stuff works. Uh, and also, uh, how you convert existing 5e spells over to their spell classification. Because in 5e spells, it's just divided by classes. There is no, There are no circles. Mm-hmm. So, won't go over everything, but uh, arcane circles, if the spell detects, presses, ends, or otherwise interacts with a mechanical aspect of spellcasting, it harnesses elemental energy, or interacts with the five senses, whether to fool them or extend their capabilities, that's an arcane spell. If a spell interacts with other creatures' life force, whether to heal or harm, harnesses radiant or necrotic energy, or deals or, or, or specifies interactions with a deity that includes the word faith, in the description of any way, that's a divine spell. If the spell alters or enhances a creature's biological characteristics, specifically interacts with plants or beasts, or replicates an effect that could theoretically occur as a natural phenomenon, that's a primordial spell. And if a spell summons a creature from a different plane or realm of existence, harnesses energy that is not elemental in nature, or allows travel between different planes of existence, that's a weird spell. Stay away from the summoner. But I am the summoner. But doctor, I am the summoner Pagliacci. <laughs> anyway. Uh, they also explain a bit about how uh, their ritual stuff differs uh, with their behind the curtain thing saying, uh, by placing spells with longer casting times into a separate category, we're emphasizing that ritual spells are not meant to be used in combat. And encourage players to think of them as tools to aid with exploration and social encounters. I cast Liamin's tiny hut. <laughs> I think I think normally that takes an hour. Yeah, it does. Don't worry, guys. We'll be with you in six hundred rounds. <laughs> I quickened it so it'll only be uh, half an hour, but 
This went to sorcery point to faster cast Liam's tiny hiding combat. <laughs> Actually, it's like four sorcery points. Fucking Christ. Because I think it's like a fourth level spell. I think it's third level. Okay, well, still. It, yeah, it's still it's, stupid. It's, it's not a sorcery point. It's a lot of sorcery points. Oh, and casting time is only a minute. Oh, well, still. Yeah. Guys, Guys, I'll be with you in five rounds. Yeah. Don't let any of them touch me or I have to start over again. Guys, where are you leaving? Yeah, so, um, oh, so they mentioned here, uh, casting times. Specifically the bonus action. Because that is a huge point of confusion for a lot of players. They don't fully understand, and going to be honest, at this point, I'm not sure I fully understand either. How casting actually works in terms of, like, what you can cast in a turn. So, with these rules, a bonus action. If you use your bonus action to cast a spell from the first ring or higher on your turn, you cannot use your action to cast a spell from the first ring or higher during the same turn. Which means, if you're a cantrip adept, you can fire off two cantrips in a turn and be totally fine. Because you can bonus action make, because you make one of your cantrips bonus action. And with this, I believe it is just, you only cast one level spell a turn. I, I just, I, what, is there a reason they do, like, the legalese of this just can't, just say you can't cast more than one level spell in a turn? I have no idea. Because I can't think of a single reason. Yeah, but we're yeah we're we're both idiots. So if any of you out there understands why someone might need to do the legalese here, if any of you have done a Twitch stream reading a document and saying from a gameplay perspective, please let us know. I don't know why. I've been re- I've been watching a couple of those, and I've heard people say from a gameplay perspective, from a game design perspective. And then said nothing else and moved on. Okay, can you read the wording to me again? Because I want to try and figure it out. I know I'm an idiot, but... If you use your bonus action to cast a spell from the first ring or higher on your turn, you can't use your action to cast a spell from the first ring or higher during the same turn. That is literally just the same thing as what it says in 5e. One ringed spell a turn. You can only cast one leveled spell a turn. Yeah, that's, yeah. Don't know why they have to, like, lawyer it, but, eh, what are you gonna do? And it's, if you use your bonus action, but, yeah, no, what? Good lord. Yeah, I know, dude. It's It's making my head hurt trying to figure out what they mean. Because I feel like I'm misinterpreting it. Yeah, every time you read it, you think you're misinterpreting a different part of it. Uh, So, casting shapes, ranges, area of effects, that's all the same. Components are the same. Concentration is the same. But they do... Make a point to clarify that if you are knocked unconscious or killed, you lose concentration. 
It's happened a non-zero amount of times. Where people have been knocked unconscious to go, am I still concentrating? Which I say no, and then they get upset. Nowhere in the rules does it say that I lose concentration. Fuck you, you're unconscious. How are you concentrating on a spell if you are unconscious? Hmm, child? Yeah, so then they also have uh, their... They also have some spell lists. Which is to say, one spell list. An arcane circle spell list. Which, I'm not going to read all of them. Because it's a fucking lot of them. One thing I will mention is uh, when they... With the... uh, with the uh, Arcane Circle Ritual spell list, because rituals are a separate spell list. Uh, As you do. They fucked up the formatting and left the editor's note in. What's the editor's note? So, the editor's note from uh, K.P. Thomas, which I believe is... I looked his name earlier. Let me just go pull that up. Uh, the Cobalt Press team. Thomas. Uh, Thomas M. Reed, the editorial director for Cobalt uh, Press. Uh, the, editor- the editor's note is, all these schools need to change from italic to Roman text. <laughs> because, yeah, looking at every spell, the spell names are italicized, and then it's brackets, then the school, when the school's in non-italicized text. They get down to the rituals, and everything is italicized, including the parentheses. But yeah, it's just highlight with highlight with an editor's note above one of them, and then a big uh, drawn with a mouse circle over the rest of them. <laughs> That's awesome. I love little things like that. It's great. It's just it's so great. unintentional, and it shows that they're still working on this shit. This is a playtest. Oh, yes. Yeah, so they also include a few spell descriptions in here. Uh, in particular, uh, five of them. Four leveled spells and one, ritu- and one ritual. So, uh, comprehend languages. It's the same, but it's not. It cannot be cast as a ritual. Detect magic. It's the same, but cannot be cast as a ritual. Mage armor. The wording has changed a little bit, but it's otherwise the same. They change the wording to, when a creature is not wearing armor, they gain plus three bonus to their AC. Oh, that's lower. No, it's the same. It is? Yep. Mage armor in the old, mage armor in... Oh, yeah, it's it's 13, which is 10 plus three. Yep. yep. <laughs> and magic missile, which is the same. It's not Jim's magic missile? Nope. And then for the ritual, they have create familiar. This is different. So, so first level arcane ritual takes an hour to cast, and you must supply a life-sized statue, puppet, stuffed doll, or other suitable vessel worth at least 10 gold pieces. As part of this ritual, you imbue your chosen vessel with a spark of your own life force to create an arcane familiar. This familiar assumes an animal form. You choose, and you choose from the following options. Bat, cat, crab, frog, parentheses, toad, hawk, lizard, octopus, owl, poisonous snake, fish, parentheses, quipper, rat, raven, seahorse, spider, or weasel. See the system reference document for stat blocks. 
Upon completion of the ritual, your familiar appears in an unoccupied space within five feet of you. The familiar has the statistics of the chosen form, though its creature type is construct instead of beast. And then more different things from there. For starters, when you make your familiar, your hit point maximum decreases by one. Oh. Until you permanently dismiss your familiar, your hit point maximum is always reduced by one. Or the familiar is destroyed, I assume. Permanently destroyed. Not just destroyed, it has to be permanently destroyed. That language needs uh, clarification. Uh, they, they do clarify it a bit later. Good. <laughs> so, communicating with your familiar. While your familiar is on the same plane or realm of existence as you, it can magically convey what it sees or senses to you, and you can communicate with it telepathically. Uh, your familiar acts independently from you, but it, can, but it obeys your commands. In combat, it rolls its own initiative and acts on its own turn. A familiar can't attack, but it can take normal actions. Uh, you can cast touch spells through it. And as an action, you can touch your familiar to reincorporate it into your body. When you do so, it melds into your skin where it waits to be summoned. While it is incorporated, uh, you can use an action to expel it from your body, causing it to appear in an unoccupied space within five feet of you. I've melded into your skin, boss. Just waiting your orders. Yeah, it's it's taking taking the uh, like familiar thing and making it more directly tied to you and less you pulling a spirit from another realm of existence. Hmm. Which, flavor thing, it's something new. I liked the spirit from another realm thing. Eh. It didn't nearly do much for me. Okay, and then finally, destroying your familiar. If your familiar drops to zero hit points, and its body is complete, its body is instantly destroyed, but you still live. But, but the, fucking Christ! I have been talking too much. My brain is breaking. So, if a familiar drops to zero hit points, its body is instantly destroyed. But if you still live, your familiar regrows a new body in one hour, regaining all its hit points and becoming active again. The new body appears in an unoccupied space within five feet of you. If you die. Your familiar is permanently destroyed, and the ritual must be performed again to create a new familiar. At any time, you can use... If you die, yeah, I'm totally going to be performing that ritual from beyond the grave. It's 5e, dude. Death means nothing. True. So, at any time, you can use an action to permanently dismiss your familiar, which instantly destroys it. You can only have one arcane familiar at any given time. If you attempt to cast the spell while your current familiar still lives, the ritual fails. So, reading this, I notice one big difference. And I mean big mechanically. You can't change the form of your familiar until you make an entirely new familiar. Like before, as it, someone who's taken advantage of the multiple forms, that sucks. Like it's, it kind of sucks because like it's the way it is described, like in old, like in five E with the old fine familiar thing. You summon a spirit, it gets a form, and then whenever you change the form, it's still the same familiar. Mm-hmm. With this, you make an entirely new familiar. You have to, you have to, you have to like as an action, destroy your familiar. And then make a new one with the new form. So, I mean, so familiar. An are, argument could be made that it's the same familiar because it's still part of you. 
Yeah, but you have so many different parts. Yeah, but it's still part of you. And it's a ship of the- it's a ship of Theseus thing. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. Which can add some interesting little existential dread if you're running this game for children. No. <laughs> Teach them existential dread early, otherwise they'll never learn. They won't care. They're children. Oh, man. They'll be like, but it's just another toy, Smash. Imagine if they didn't, though. Imagine, imagine like, you explain that to one kid, and then he just kind of starts laughing with everyone else, and just slowly stops. <laughs> just his face ever so slowly drops over the course of the rest of the session. He's not really paying attention anymore. Just kind of staring in the middle distance. Like you talk to him later. What does dying mean? <laughs> Oh, I'd be an awful parent. Yeah, you would. And then, final thing, another editor's note by KP Thomas. Which is, add the following text. This work includes material from the system reference document 5.1, available uh, license under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. Hey, they edited it! <laughs> Next one, there's going to be an editor's note. Editor's note, remove my goddamn it! <laughs> <laughs> So, what did you think? I think the editor's notes are the best part. <laughs> no, I, I think that I think that it's it's an interesting take, but it really feels very similar to one D and D to me, in that it just feels like it's it's putting a new coat of paint on fifth edition. If fifth edition was a house, then they've gutted it, but they're not really doing anything different with it. They're just putting up fresh coats of paint and new walls. Does that make sense? Yeah. From what you remember. So actually, I probably asked this beforehand. Did you play any first edition Pathfinder? Uh, yes. Okay. From your recollection. It feels very similar to when I was playing first edition Pathfinder. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to figure out how to word it. Like, First edition Pathfinder was a gutted house, but they gutted it so they could redo the wiring and add on a sunroom, which Black Flag could turn into that. Yeah, we got got to remember, this is the second playtest packet. Because so far, they did redo some of the wiring by making Fighter more fun. Because the Fighter that was described to me sounds way more fun to play. Yeah. I'd be tripping fools left and right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what i took away yeah you can trip that's what you take away <laughs> i've been tripping so many motherfuckers i would trip all the time then i'd get bored of it <laughs> they wouldn't know what the fuck hit him in the back of the leg sweep the leg <laughs> nothing would sweep the leg this is it's also funny that the sweep the leg requires a melee weapon yeah i mean I mean, that's something that they'd have. I'd feel like they'd have to tweak. Just like you walk up holding a battle axe, and then you have to like hook the battle axe on your leg and not just trip them with a kick. Which I guess yeah, goes that's... with like their whole thing of like, hey, people aren't proficient with punching normally. So does becoming prof- would becoming proficient classify unarmed strikes as weapon attacks? Probably not. 
Because if they do, then they can keep the wording exactly as is. From what I from what I have read and from what has been shown in that document, unarmed strikes are unarmed strikes. Another option would be that for the monk class, unarmed strikes become classified as weapon attacks. Because that would work really well for like making monks really unique yeah. amongst the marshals. And so in order to capitalize on that, they didn't have to dip three levels into fighter to get that thing? Uh, was that not a martial feat? That was, was a, that a fighter, fighter ability. That was a, that okay. was a, that was a weapon master fighter ability. Then as a weapon master. Okay. I was confused. I thought that was a talent. No, my bad. My that's, bad. That's one of your stunts. Be stunting on a motherfucker. Just roll into a sick kickflip and then trip somebody. Hey guys, check I this out. I would actually love to play a fighter who never used a melee weapon. <laughs> They were, they just, they always had one for any of their fighter stunts. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you, so you want to play a James character? Yes. Yes, I did. Hey, everything. But it would, my intent would not be, yeah, I'm a badass fighter with this badass sword. Let me punch him. <laughs> it would be, yeah, I've got a sword so that I can trip you before I punch you. The sword's a distraction. <laughs> my real attack is over here. Sucker punched. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like the fighter. The wizard. I'm waiting to see if they do something with the circles versus the spell levels thing. Because I hate it when things change names just so that they're different. You know what I mean? Eh, it seems like a lore thing. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be something mechanical. I just want there to be a reason why it spells circles instead of spell levels. Uh, like I said, there is a diagram, but I'm not going to read that out on air. No, no, I'm not asking you to do that. Like I'm talking about if we eventually play Project Black Flag. Yeah, well, the core role playing system. <laughs> Whatever. I'm calling it by the cooler name until they come up with a cooler name. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. If any of that has sounded interesting interesting to you, you can check out the playtest material. It's available now through Cobalt Press. Uh, be sure to submit feedback so they know, you know, what's happening, who's doing what, what you like, what you don't like. And yeah, I believe we have one to two more playtest packets before the Kickstarter goes live. Woo, Kickstarter. At which point, playtesting will presumably continue. Because I think the Kickstarter is just going to say, hey, we're making this thing, and to do it, we need money to get printing. We're going to run this for a couple months. While we're doing that, we're going to be continuing the playtest. But yeah, I'm, in, I'm interested to see where things go from here. Uh, everything that I have seen so far has been, at best, a marked improvement, and at worst, a completely lateral move. I liked the Cantrip Caster. Cantrip Caster was so fucking cool. I love cantrips and having a having a class completely built around nothing but cantrips is great they're so forgotten in a lot of things people just like go out there and throw out their big leveled spells and then go oh i guess i'll fall back on my fucking sacred flame like cantrips are powerful anyone who's played at a table with me knows this because i will just whip out all of my cantrips. And then finally, it's like, I guess I'll cast a level spell here. 
Dead is playing a paladin with me while I'm playing a divine soul sorcerer, and he keeps getting pissed because I keep killing things before he gets to them. I'm a melee fighter in in a comp in a party with two long range casters. Hey, but you're faster now, so you'll probably be able to get up to the enemies. And then I'll die sooner because my paladin has less health than the sorcerer. I got I rolled really well for stats and I put one of them into constitution because I was like, I'm tired of playing squishies. I'm a centaur and this is horse shit. <laughs> but anyway, we'll talk to you guys again in the future. Yeah. Uh like I believe they've said they're trying to do this monthly, so next so in April, we're gonna be getting a new playtest packet, which I will once again force uh, down Cave's throat. He says this like it's a punishment. You act like it's a punishment all the time. Yeah, because it is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and yeah, Curse Destiny. We got, I believe, uh, three to four more episodes in the backlog, and then we will be getting into the proper campaign. We're getting back into recording that this week, I believe. Yep. The, the aim is to, anyway. The Life may come along. Recording this week. Yeah, Life may come along and fuck that. But yeah, it's a lot of stuff, though. I'm dead. And I'm Caveman. We'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Have a wonderful time.